This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. All right, today's reader's question is, what is the pink cloud? So here's the question. It says, hi, Annie. First off, I love, love, love your podcast and your book. I'm officially seven weeks alcohol-free. Woohoo! I'm curious about your thoughts about the pink cloud that everyone says happens during the early days of sobriety. I read up in it, and they say it's almost a high euphoric feeling during the early times of going alcohol-free, but then it ends. Do you think this even exists? I felt like I had a high during the first five weeks, and now I feel somewhat blah, and I'm under almost wondering if this is all there is. I would love to hear what you think. So this is such a great question. And to be really frank and upfront, um, and transparent, I, when I, you know, stopped drinking and became alcohol free, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the pink cloud. And so this has been a learning experience for me based on a lot of people saying, Hey, what is this thing that people are talking about? And it's gotten the pink cloud itself, I think has gotten like this, uh, sense of common knowledge, so to speak. And so I kind of wanted to go, okay, well, what does the science say? So the science says, that the term pink cloud is used to describe a state in which a person undergoing treatment manifests euphoria, overconfidence, and a false sense of well-being, therefore making them more vulnerable to relapse. It is not an official syndrome. I mean, it is called a syndrome, but syndromes are often used improperly. It was actually first described by Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's described as the period where an addict or an alcoholic feels a slight euphoria in early recovery. People experiencing this become overconfident about staying clean and sober. Um, And then another definition, and this all is from a study done in, published in the Journal of Nursing and Healthcare in May 2019 by Gallen, Gallinato and Veloso, and it says the pink cloud syndrome, PCS, is a dangerous euphoria, delusion, and the inability to accept or meet the present circumstances. So basically, it is characterized by overconfidence, a false sense of well-being, and delusion. And it was, again, it was, it's, it's not a scientifically based thing in the sense that it's been really well studied. In fact, the science on this is almost non-existent. There have been studies within treatment centers specifically to say, yeah, if people are reporting this level of overconfidence and like feeling like, no, I got this. I don't even need to be here anymore. Like easy. Uh, I feel great. This is amazing. Their chances of relapse in the treatment centers go up. Now, this whole idea, of course, has created um, all of this, quote, common knowledge around what it is. And I have people write in and say, oh, my gosh, I'm not experiencing the pink cloud. Everybody else is so happy and I'm not experiencing it. And we get into this place of comparison and people feeling like bad that they're not having it. Just to be clear, according to the research that's been done, the pink cloud is actually a not good thing. It's characterized by overconfidence and delusion and euphoria that indicates that that person is probably more likely because they're not sort of really in reality about what is happening, um, that it's, they're more likely to relapse. So that's, that's just kind of what the science says. So I wanted to, to make sure that was there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what does happen according to science in the brain and body when you stop drinking. And a lot of really cool things happen. So in the body and the brain specifically, so like the physicality of yourself, your body has to readjust to the lack of stimulant and depressant. Alcohol is both a stimulant and depressant that you've been feeding it for so long, right? And so if your body has been, you know, given this stimulant, 
And by the way, alcohol is mainly a depressant, but it releases stimulants in the body to counteract that depressant. So your body, what's been happening, alcohol comes in, your body releases stimulants. Often that's adrenaline and cortisol. And those things happen as your body's trying to purge the alcohol. And then you take the alcohol away, the body needs time to not continue to release those stimulants. So often people will feel anxious and upset and, you know, not really good. And all of these sorts of things that are not great equally, the alcohol is going to be a bit of, um, it does create false sense of euphoria, especially upon consuming it. The brain overcompensates for that by dumbing down your ability to feel pleasure. And when that happens, your brain will not be as easily pleased. And so you feel kind of dejected and and not great. Now this rebalancing can take kind of a long time because the brain has to readjust to not having alcohol in the system. There's another really important aspect of this is that alcohol disrupts REM sleep and that's the most restful and important type of sleep. Now it helps you fall asleep because it just like turns off your brain and your, your brain goes slower and slower and slower until you pass out. Um, but it doesn't ever allow you to have that really deep restful sleep. So during the early days, it can be really hard. Sleep can be a real challenge, but then when you get past that, you can start to sleep really, really well, and that can change your entire mood. So those are a lot of the things that are happening. I did feel great when I stopped drinking, not physically, but mentally. So physically, I felt like, oh, okay, I knew I was going to have to adjust to some things. I wasn't sleeping well at first. I was having weird dreams at first. I was kind of overly anxious and kind of like a a bit jittery, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't know why any of that was. Now I know it was like my body was, you know, still had the foot on the gas to kind of overcompensate for the depressing nature of alcohol. And when I took the alcohol away, that stimulant was still there and my body was still producing, overproducing stimulants. I didn't know any of that at the time, but I did feel mentally really good. And here's why is because I had made a firm decision. And when you have been like I was circling around this, am I going to drink? Am I not going to drink? How much am I going to drink? What's it going to cost me? How much am I going to regret it? You know, and cost me emotionally, cost me physically, cost me actually financially as well. Uh, what's going to happen, the anxiety around that, the thinking about drinking all the time. I mean, literally, like I'd wake up thinking about my hangover, thinking about how bad I felt, wondering how much I drank the night before. Then I'd go into my day kind of trying to, you know, drink a lot of coffee to feel better or thinking about what I was going to drink or telling myself, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then the evening would come around and I would be feeling, oh, am I, am I not? Am I going to get my arm twisted? You know, and it was just so much head noise that when I made a firm decision, that noise went away and that was euphoric. You know, I wrote down in my notes that um, for me, a decision equaled freedom. Like when I decided, you know what, no matter what, I'm gonna go 30 days without a drink. It was like that, all that craziness, (sighs) 30 days. I might not be happy the whole time. I might experience withdrawal symptoms. I might, you know, have to adjust. It might be miserable, but that, noise of am I going to am I not what did I do how was it what do I regret went away and that was euphoric and so I felt a lot of that also I you know had a perspective that oh I never get to drink again for so long so much time of you know trying to moderate feeling sorry for myself and when I really changed my beliefs around alcohol when I realized that all the things that I thought it was doing for me it wasn't doing you know things like Uh, I thought it was making me happier and it wasn't. And I thought it was relieving my stress and I wasn't all of these things. When these things stopped and I didn't believe that anymore 
And it went from, oh, I never get to drink again to, oh my gosh, I never have to drink again. I never have to be hung over again. I never have to throw up again. I never have to be wondering what I said or did the night before. I never have to disappoint my husband. I never have to have my child say that he doesn't want to come close to me because I smell like wine or because my teeth are purple. Like that was euphoric. So I did experience like this sense of, oh my goodness, life is beginning. This is amazing. And by the way, I experienced hope for the first time. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had a problem and then you've kind of solved it and how hopeful is life right away. Now, of course that stuff wears off a little bit because over time, like you realize, okay, this is life. This is normal. And by the way, you realize that you have to manage those emotions because guess what? We have up emotions and we have down emotions. They both are here and they're all, by the way, here for a reason. And so you are facing with the reality of managing those emotions without self-medicating, without numbing them, without pushing them away. So I did experience euphoria. I wouldn't call it a pink cloud. I'm just not a big personal fan of you know labeling things like that because I like to take things and put them through the filter of how do they make me feel and behave. Now, if I would have said, you know, heard from someone, oh, you're just in the pink cloud. How would have that made me feel? It would have made me feel like, oh, great, this is going to end. That sucks. Or it would have made me feel at risk if I understood that the pink cloud was, you know, uh, in treatment centers. Again, I want to clarify that the only research done on this has been in treatment centers, a higher risk for relapse. I would have felt afraid, right? And so how would that make me behave? Like I would be less into what was happening in my life. So that kind of label of pink cloud, it wouldn't have served me anyways. I wouldn't have chosen to adopt it had I even known what it was. Because how I love to, especially if something isn't like concretely true, which by the way, the research on pink cloud, it was created by AA, which we know is not a scientific endeavor. It was a bunch of people saying, this thing happens when a lot of people stop drinking, they feel really good. But hey, wait a second, the people that feel the best are most seem to relapse the most. So the people who are the most overconfident seem to relapse the most. And so they, they gave name to something they were observing, but it was never like this study that was done. And so it was created. And so if something isn't like true, like where you can say, okay, there was some studies done. Most of what I see and I read according to the science is saying, yeah, this is mostly true. Then adopting that for myself just doesn't really always feel like a good idea because I actually would encourage you, whether you're feeling the pink cloud or whether you're feeling comparison and jealousy because other people are talking about this pink cloud and you're not feeling it, to just run both of those thoughts through that filter of how is that making you feel? How is that making you behave? If you're feeling it and then you, you realize that it's going to end and you, know, you might actually be more at risk for relapse in this study, again, in treatment centers, Again, it's not going to make you feel great. And when you don't feel great, you don't behave well. Um, when you, on the other hand, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm so sorry for myself. Everybody else is talking about this high, and I at least thought I'd get that. And how does that make you feel? It makes you feel discouraged. It makes you feel like maybe you're doing it wrong. It makes you feel like maybe you haven't had the mindset shift to really give you freedom. You know. And how does that make you feel behave? How do you behave when you're discouraged? You don't necessarily have the energy to keep doing the stuff that you're doing that got you here in the first place. So whenever anything is questionably true, which I never want to say, you know, right or wrong, and please, if you have other information, send it my way. I always want to have the most accurate, up-to-date information, but from what I could find, it's not in the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. It is not... Um, there's not a lot of scientific research on the pink cloud. There's a lot of common knowledge. There's a lot of articles written based on observing this, but there isn't something that says, yes, in fact, this is this. And so if it's not like empirically true, 
I would just really run that through that filter of how does it make you feel and how does it make you behave? Because you don't have to take anybody else's thoughts or belief or experience as your own. In fact, that's the gift, I believe, is that we can choose what we decide to engage with and what we don't decide to engage with. I think one last part of this question is really important. Um, do you think it exists? I feel like I had this high during this first five weeks and now I feel so much somewhat blah and I'm wondering if this is all there is. This is not all there is. This is the part of it that becomes, okay, I need to actually understand why I'm feeling blah. And I knew that drinking wasn't helping me, but now what do I want to put into my life where I really build this life that I don't want to escape from it, where I feel great, where I'm doing things. And by the way, understanding that life is up and down. Some days are going to be good. You might go for a week. Sometimes I go for two weeks of just kind of feeling really low. And then I'll go for two or three weeks or a month of feeling great. And then I'll go for a few days of just feeling like totally miserable. And then I'll be like so happy for a few days. That is life. <laughs> We've been using alcohol to numb and homogenize and make every experience feel like feeling drunk. And yeah, that's an alternative. But for me, it's not an alternative I want anymore. I actually want to experience the really high highs and the really low lows because they're both there to teach me something. They're both there to help me to like emotions are our map. And if there's stuff, you know, I've noticed in my life and my journey that there's so many things that I was numbing away that I needed to pay attention to, that I needed to listen to. I have changed my life drastically. When I was drinking, you know, I was working this crazy corporate job. I had no work-life balance. I was um, not care taking care of my health or nutrition. I was just in such a place that it was not good for me. And I was numbing away all of the warning signals. And there's like this massive jet. I don't know if you guys can hear that. It's like a jet going over my house. Um, but I was ignoring all the warning signals of this. I was just numbing my emotions. And therefore, I wasn't able to fix anything because you can't actually fix or address what you can't see or you don't know. So I wanted to cover all of that. I just have to take a quick look at my notes, make sure I covered everything that I have understood about the pink cloud. Um, and again, if you, if you know something I don't know about this, please do send it to me. But I would just highly encourage you instead of, instead of falling into, you know, sometimes what's common knowledge can really keep us stuck. And so put on, put on your thinking hat. One of my favorite places on the internet is called Google Scholar. You can type anything into there and it will provide you with the actual scientific studies about what you're wondering about. And that's a great place because you can find, okay, is this actually a studied thing or is this more of a common knowledge thing? And often if it's not a study, if it's not something that you say, no, I'm going to hang my hat on that as true because I've read through the evidence and that really makes sense to me, then I would really run that belief or that comparison or whatever it is that you're struggling with through that filter of how does it make you feel and how does it make you behave. And if the idea of comparing yourself to others who are having this pink cloud experience and you're not doesn't make you feel great, or the idea of having it and then worrying that it's, it's not going to last doesn't make you feel great, I'll tell you one thing. The positive emotions that I feel because I stopped drinking almost six years ago now are still here. I can tap into that. I can sit here and I can, you know, whether it's that we go somewhere and I see other people drinking and I, I can look at that and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that's not me. I remember how it felt to feel like I wasn't even going to enjoy myself unless I had a drink. I remember how it felt to walk into somewhere and have my first thought be, where's the, where's the drinks and, and how can I get one? And I, how much freedom is it to never even think about that? 
oh my gosh, so I can feel so much gratitude for it. I remember how it felt to feel hungover. So much gratitude that I don't feel that anymore. This is six years in. I can bring myself to levels of like so much gratitude that I've chosen this past in this life, even now. And I guarantee you that's not a pink cloud. That's just because there are really real things that I've made my decision on, that I've hung my hat on, which is I want to take care of my body. I want to feel good. I want to not you know, medicate away my emotions because every time that I lean into what a negative emotion is or a, a emotion that doesn't feel good, I don't really think they're negative and I understand what it's telling me and I listen to it, I fix something inside my life and my heart and guess what? Life gets better. Things are solvable when you are aware enough to hear the little signals saying, hey, 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 you need to fix this part, you know, but we just take alcohol and we obliterate those signals. We obliterate our inner voice. We obliterate our sense of intuition. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, if there's a pink cloud and it's a positive thing, I guess I'm still living in it because like really this can be a grateful euphoric experience for years and years and years, but you need to tap in to really paying attention to the beliefs of, um, of gratitude and why you're here in the first place. So great question. Thanks so much for sending it in and yeah, thank you. Hi, super exciting news. So the alcohol experiment book is being released, actually got released just a few days ago with the expanded edition. What does expanded edition mean? It means that every single day throughout the book, there are deep reflective journal entries that have been added with space to write, which is so cool and so exciting. So you really make it your own. And the reason I did this is because I truly believe that the deepest wisdom you will access throughout the 30 days of the alcohol experiment comes from within you. You know more about what's best for you than anybody else in the entire world. And I know sometimes that can be hard to believe, but when you really access your own wisdom, it is so profound. So you can pick up your own copy at alcoholexperimentbook.com and check it out. It's really powerful. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.